The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back to Officially Unofficial. We are now joined by national baseball reporter, the Washington Post, Chelsea Janes. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. And, and I, we had to get you on here because, listen, I, we, we allude to this a lot. I'm using allude, big word, credit to me, that I'm not the brightest of all time. And when I'm looking at this MLB lockout stuff, I'm as out, as out to lunch as you could possibly be. So I'm, this is for the common man. This is the episode for the common man, common person who's not the brightest. And that's what I'm going to tweet to to get to get promotion for this episode. Explain to me like I'm five. So we'll start it off here. Obviously, they met again today. But just what are a couple of the core things that they haven't come to agreement with and why, on why? Yeah, just just the core things. Just explain that. Yeah, so the owners are really happy with everything as it is. If the player says the owners, we could leave everything as it is, they would probably take that. The problem is the players feel like the owners have gotten their way for the last three or four CBAs, and they want huge change. I mean, they, the players started out asking to have players like get to free agency a year earlier, which in baseball is unheard of to change free agency. So, you know, they were coming in like big swings, asking for big stuff. As it stands now, the players say they want to address a few things. One, competitive integrity, uh, which to them means stopping teams like the Orioles from losing all the time. And to do that, they want to have a big draft lottery. They're kind of fighting out how many teams would be in that lottery. So that's one of the sticking points. Um, The other sticking point is they want to cut revenue sharing so that teams that lose can't just make money because they're in small markets. They want you to have to earn that money. And then like big picture, I think the thing that it, it always kind of comes down to is like the competitive balance, balance tax slash non-salary cap. And the players say it's too low. MLB says it's perfect. The players want it to be about 30 to 40 million higher than MLB wants it. And I think that's going to be like the main sticking point. The players just want the owners to be able to spend more, to have to spend more. Um, and the other thing they want is to, to pay younger players more. So, you know, you're not just kind of banking on the labor of these young guys and you know that would cost your blue jays a lot right because they're yeah, right now they've got a lot of young guys but but the way they want to do that is is a bonus pool that says okay if you play two years and you're in your third year of service time and you win awards or have hit a certain war marker we'll throw some money towards you 
um, that isn't in your contract, but is sort of just a bonus. So that's what they have right now. But again, like the players think that amount of money should be over a hundred million to be distributed among those players. MLB has proposed 10 million. So it's basically the players saying, we want the owners to give us more of the money we know they're making. And MLB saying, we're not that rich. We don't want to give you more money. And they're, they're fighting out the details of, of what's going to happen there. So when you hear about this, you always hear about like the fans saying millionaires fighting over money or all, all that kind of stuff. But it really isn't, to be honest. Like we're talking billionaires fighting with millionaires. Like these are people that are cry- like they're crying that they're poor, all that kind of stuff. And you see it with the Baltimore Orioles, too. And you mentioned just having like the- so when you say the lowest, like the there's a certain amount that a team has to spend over. And the Baltimore Orioles have always been around that threshold, I believe. Is that correct? So they don't have to spend it any number and that's something the players want to change they want to like get teams to spend a number but the problem is that if the players get mlb to say here's how much you have to spend like everybody has to spend at least 100 million then mlb would bring down the competitive balance tax so like if you spend over 180 million say then you get penalized for that so basically like mlb is never going to let both things happen at once like you can't say you have to spend this much but you can't spend over this much. And, and MLB is not going to kind of like accept that proposal. They don't want the top number to keep growing because that's going to cost their owners more money, but so will a bottom number, if that makes sense. I might not have done a good job. Yeah, no, that, that makes a hundred percent sense. And all that actually, like I said, explain it to me, like I'm five, like now I understand it a little <laughs> bit better, but the thing is for me, that's really doesn't make sense is it, like if MLB wants to generate revenue, you can't generate revenue having teams as terrible as the Baltimore Orioles. Like I'm not even lying. One of the worst baseball teams I've legitimately ever seen. I genuinely think like their minor league team could probably be like, if you got, got Grayson Rodriguez, Adley Rutschman, all these guys playing against their actual team in the, in the show, you can make the argument they could beat them. Like they were terrible last year. So major league baseball realistically are like the owners are crying poor and they don't like, for instance, like, the owners are trying to kind of screw the players over, especially with, I believe, is it service time manipulation? Is that another thing they're arguing about? It is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So what, what's the argument with that? Like, are, cause obviously you saw with Chris Bryan, which is, I mean, he was raking in uh, spring training and then they obviously manipulate his time and call him up in May. I remember it was Sunday night baseball. Is that, are they trying to dispute it to make it seem or to, to change it to, they can start opening day and like, it's the same thing. So it's funny, two of the things that the players really want are to prevent service time manipulation. And when they talk about it, they always use Chris Bryant as the example. They're like, whatever the rule is has to fix what happened to Chris Bryant. And then it's also tanking, right? So the Orioles situation, teams that lose over and over and over again, get first draft picks, whatever. The funny thing about that is that when MLB talks about those things, and you'll see this like in articles, they refer to alleged service time manipulation they won't concede that it's real and so-called tanking they won't you know their argument is teams are bad in every sport but why is it not allowed here so like even the premise of those things is up for dispute but yeah they are trying to fix some service time manipulation uh and mlb has made some proposals to do that which you know is interesting if they don't really believe it exists but like you know one of the proposals they have is to help get guys service to reward teams that bring up guys who are ready. So like in the Chris Bryant case, if he's up on the roster on opening day and he wins an award that season or whatever it is, then that team would get compensated with a draft pick is the proposal oh. to sort of incentivize them to bring that guy up. 
but there's problems with that because it doesn't necessarily benefit the player, right? Like, yeah, it just like, benefits the owner reward- again. Yeah. Right. So there's, there's a lot to be hashed out there, but I think they're making some progress on figuring out how to help guys accrue service time who aren't actually accruing service time, right? So like if you come up and win rookie of the year, you would get credit for service time. There's all these things in the works. So they're talking about how to try to get that done. And the current plan would reward teams with a draft pick for calling someone up when they're ready. Um, but I think like the players don't think that's enough. So it's, it is a tough problem to address, particularly because MLB says it doesn't exist. So that is, I don't know go. how they can, I don't know how they can try to sell that. It doesn't exist though. I mean, it clearly exists when a guy like Chris Bryant, Vladdy Guerrero, when they're trying to say like, these guys aren't ready yet. And they just mysteriously call them up in May, no matter what their stats are in AAA. Like it, it's a clear thing. So how would you describe like, obviously there's a lot of not bad blood, but there, you could say kind of hatred with the owners and the players and all that kind of stuff. I compare it to like the scene in the office with the Michael Scott paper company trying to get purchased by uh, Dunder Mifflin. But how like is it as not serious but is it as like intense as some people try to make it look at like look at because we're getting close to the season now like this isn't a joke like we're we're about to be in february right so what what would you say like the atmosphere is like there or what you've heard about you know i, I mean we've heard it's pretty heated i mean that the, one of the words that the mlb folks used you know was spirited which i think really means like people were yelling like it gets pretty heated and i think that like part of that is that there's just this lingering mistrust between the players and the owners that and MLB and the players believe that no matter what happens, MLB is going to, you know, do whatever is in MLB's interest at the expense of the players. And if that is going as far as to like screw over the players, I don't know, but they just have no faith that MLB is acting in everyone's interests as opposed to just MLB's interests. And like, you can see why, you know, they, they change the ball. They don't tell people they, you know, whatever it is, like the sticky stuff rule gets put in and players say, wait a second, or even the 2020 season, like the players wanted to play more games. MLB said no. So there's all these things that are like built up in the players' minds that make them think, okay, like we can't trust anything MLB is saying, even if some of the solutions they're proposing make sense. And so with that backdrop, it's like anything they give in is going to feel like a huge loss, even if like it's kind of favorable to them. They just don't trust that MLB is doing anything that would be favorable to them. You know, I think there's this belief that like even this bonus pool thing, it sounds great, right? You're going to pay players uh, more that are younger, that don't have other ways to make that money if they earn it. But I think the players are skeptical that like, A, you could probably pay way more money than you say you could. And B, like, is there a catch? Like, what's the catch we're not seeing here? So that's like under all of it. And I think that that makes it really hard for them to want to agree to anything that being said, last week, they they did kind of, both sides did kind of take some stuff off the table that was like never going to happen, that the owners were never going to change free agency. The players, you know, were never going to give in and, and get rid of arbitration or anything like that. And so those things like kind of got sifted away. Now they're actually talking about proposals, but there's still a ton of mistrust. And like you said, like this is, it has taken us this long to get to that point. And the season's supposed to start in two weeks. So it's, it's not. I mean, time's running out. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm trying to be optimistic. I, I genuinely don't think – I think it'll be resolved, like, middle of February, maybe end of February, like, like when spring training is actually supposed to start, and they'll just shorten spring training. But you always – like, I, I could be wrong on this. I believe in the NBA, they reward guys for sticking with the same team. Is that correct? Is that something that's been brought up in Major League Baseball? So, for instance, like a Boba Shatter of Vladdy, they can sign these not super max, I guess you can call it super max deals. 
and it's not going to affect like if they get more money with the Jays then they'll get let's just say with the scumbag Yankees or something along those lines where if you sign with a team that drafted you and you stuck up with or you've stuck with you get more money is that something that's like been brought up or no not really and I think the fear on the part of the players is like they want teams to have less control over their fates than they do like if they had it their way they'd be free agents even sooner like they just want to like get as much control out of the hands of the teams and the league as they can so something like that yeah it makes sense but I think from the players perspective um a it's it just like it hasn't really brought been brought up in in baseball in part I think because there's no salary cap so it's like they don't want to create something where you know one team could pay you more and it just limits your options right yeah. but like it makes sense and I think that when you look at what the players are asking for, it is to hit the, the market sooner and to have the least possible restrictions on how they do that. So like arbitration is important to them because it's the first time they get to actually argue for their value and it's not perfect, but it's also not a minimum salary. So yeah. that's kind of how I think about what they want. And it's interesting. They never suggested that, but they know there's no kind of talk about rewarding teams that drafted them or making it easier for them to keep guys it's just it's, kind of out there. Yeah. See with me, that's crazy because that you could also argue that that would eliminate these like teams that are terrible. For instance, like a guy like Ali Rutschman comes up with the Orioles and he could have a, the potential to stay there because he can make more money playing there compared to somewhere else where the other team is not allowed to offer them as much money as the Orioles can offer them. I think that could minimize, you could say that could minimize these teams. I guess you can call it so called like tanking with that, but that is crazy. Me, what was one like? What was a couple things that like the players offered that put on the table that they took off that was just so unrealistic? You mentioned the free agency, but was it anything else? You know, I think I think the players wanted to get uh, people to arbitration a year sooner. So instead of having to wait three years, you'd have two years of service time, um, and then hop into arbitration, which is actually how it used to be. Yeah. Uh, but they gave that up. So they wanted that, but that doesn't, I think they pulled that off the table too. I think they're aware that they're not going to be able to change the timing of those things. I mean, the thing that, that makes the most sense, honestly, for both sides, and that I think they both recognize makes a lot of sense is a salary floor. Like we were talking about, like make everybody spend a hundred million dollars. And then all of a sudden, like the Orioles can't just sit around and do nothing. You have to sign some veteran guys and fill in your roster, even as you're rebuilding. In theory, you would get better. That's better for players because they you know, the older guys who get squeezed out when people are being cheap, they, they get jobs. But the problem is that MLB will not agree to that. They're not going to require their owners to spend more and not try to cut into what they have to spend at the top. So basically they would, they, instead of saying, okay, the threshold at which if you go over, like if you go over 215 ish million now, you have to pay like a 20% tax on however much you go over. Yeah. But if they implemented a floor, MLB would never put that in and require the owners to pay without lowering that number. So you're taking, you know, they're just moving money around. But I think like, if you really kind of thought about it, the way to fix it is just to like bring up a floor, make everybody spend money. And then all of a sudden there's not only no tanking, but you're not as worried about you're, you're willing to pay money because you have to hit that number anyway, but it's not going to happen at least not anytime soon because that number at the top comes down and you know, the players don't like that either. So it's, it's all kind of messy. If you could say like a percentage of where we're at to be starting on opening day, like actual opening day, like I obviously I hate the percentage stuff, but what would you say is like the, the chance that we actually do? Because like you said, I mean, we're two weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting and we're nowhere near like a deal or anything along those lines. So what, like, what would you say the chances that we actually end up starting properly? 
You know, I think it's it's probably about 50%, which is lower than lower than it should be for sure. I mean, the problem is that like free agency is not over. As many people have signed beforehand, like there's still a bunch of big names out there. And from what I've heard, it's going to take like two weeks to just get all that stuff done. Even if you super rushed it, you would probably need two weeks to like get all the free agents signed, get rosters built and ready for spring training. Now, like the players, I think would be super happy if you cut spring training to four weeks. They like that. That's fine. It. That's not a problem. Yeah. yeah. But, but you also can't cut it much shorter than that and still have pitchers be healthy. So it's, it's a really like slim window. And I think it pretty much leaves you at needing a deal within the next two weeks to get to opening day on time. And, you know, like, I don't know when that's going to happen. You know, the, the MLB is waiting for a proposal from the union right now. The union, as far as I've heard, has not, you know, brought one to the table today and, and I don't know when they will. Um, so it's, you know, it's just the time is ticking really fast. But the good news is they did agree um, to kind of hash out the stuff that isn't contentious and get all that stuff figured out because there's so much in the collective bargaining agreement that's just kind of random and annoying. So they're going to figure all that out. So that when they do agree on the big stuff, they can basically just hit play and go. But the big stuff is pretty big. So who knows? Yeah. And and you and I believe you were at the the meetings, correct? Like you weren't physically there, but you were like you you were in the building or wherever it was. And this is completely off top. What would you rate like the body language of the PA compla- compared to the owners? Like who would you say was the alpha? And like when they came out, like they 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 had a little bit strut, a little bit more confidence to them. Like who would you say was the alpha coming? Like just based off body language after the meetings tough because they know we're looking for that so and they have masks so you can't really read their face oh but i mean i i think if you had to if i had to say who seemed more confident coming out of the last meeting it was major league baseball because they're coming from a position of strength like the players came in with these massive demands that might be fair like in the grand scheme of things like after three or four cbas they might be in a position where like to reset they have to do all these big things but I think they're starting to realize they're not going to get that stuff this time around. It's going to take a little while to chip away at that. And I think you can kind of tell just in the way they're talking that like they're annoyed. They're annoyed at major league baseball and, and the, the lack of willingness to kind of give them that change. I don't know why they would have expressed anything different. Like MLB's job is to get the best deal for its owners. So that's kind of what they would do. But yeah, it's, you know, I think right now MLB has, the upper hand because they don't need change like they're fine with things as they are it's the players who really want it so i think they're probably feeling a little more pressure now as as the clock ticks down can someone bring up like the like the blackout <laughs> restriction shit like i don't know what's going on with that i try to watch a jays game on mlb tv and i can't even watch like i, I like i live in try i can't even watch a jays game on mlb tv and why do they do that by the way do they do that so that it forces you to either go to the game or watch it on like your actual cable provider is there a reasoning it's it's insane. I've, I've tried to ask people, it is not something that I think would like get fixed in these negotiations. The explanation I have gotten, and it kind of makes sense, is number one, like you can't just put all MLB games on a giant streaming service and say, pay one price and see them all, because there are networks that have like paid for the rights. So why would the Dodgers, you know, why would uh, whatever their sports network is now, why would they give up that deal to help MLB put everything on a streaming platform if like they've paid billions of dollars for the rights in their area? So like they, they don't want to give those deals up. And you could say, okay, wait for all those regional deals to expire and then put everybody on a streaming app. But the problem is they don't expire at the same time. So you, like 
there's like 10 year deals here, five year deals here, like oh. Masson that has the Nats and the or So logistically, it's really hard to figure out. And I think ultimately, and I might be wrong, like the league would have to kind of pay off those regional deals to get them to say, stop blacking it out in my area because, you know, the, the corporate wrangling, like it, the cable companies want you to pay. And that's one of the things they offer you that you can't get anywhere else. So like, but it's so frustrating. And I think the, the blackout part it, like I understand that that's probably part of those deals, but I, I think that when you're talking about a corporation as big as MLB, it's pretty maddening that they haven't figured out a way to solve it. It like it, I understand that it's complicated, but uh, I think that it's it's got to be like top of mind. It's crazy. I mean, we were in Iowa, and like the six closest teams to Iowa, you couldn't watch because there's you know they're in Doesn't everybody's region. It, it's wild, yeah. And credit to me, I illegally streamed the games because I'm not falling for that <laughs> trap. And I'll admit it, lock me up. Uh, I, I illegally watched the game. And this is completely off topic. I got to ask you this because on the weekend, we had this Tom Brady retirement thing. This isn't even talking yes. about baseball. And Adam Schefter kind of jumped the gun on the retirement. And you're a big J, you're a big J journalist, you're a big J reporter. Is that something that's kind of laughed upon between that little inner circle of big J's? Like, you guys see uh, like what Shefty did a couple days ago? Like, yikes. Like, is that your worst nightmare to, like, to announce news and it not being even remotely true? Because that would that would be hilarious. I would love to do that. Like, just announce random stuff. But anyway. <laughs> it's a nightmare, but it's also, like, I mean, he's not. he's probably not wrong is the problem. Like, if he's wrong, Tom Brady just decided that he's wrong in my mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just like not something you say if you're not, if somebody close is not telling you that because it's like, he can just tell you, you know, it's very weird. And I know like other people reported it. So like my instinct when I see that is like somebody in Brady's camp said something they shouldn't have said, or it was like a soft launch and they told him that. And then Tom Brady's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like this needs to be on my terms or something. So I don't know what it was. Like, I don't, I don't know if it's not true or not, but it is like really fascinating to watch. And I don't know. It's just very strange. Like the it, whole thing is very was, strange. It was so fascinating. And you, and Schefter just getting, every, he's getting ratioed on every single tweet. Like his tweet will have like 3000 replies saying, Are, is this real? Like it just a random, like the, he will he'll tweet the final score of the chiefs game. And they'll be like, are you sure? Like it, it's, it's tough to bounce back from that because he just get like, he's been getting body bagged. So poor guy. But I mean, have you, have you like tweeted something that you got information? Like, do you have got like, people that are inside scoops for you that you'll tweet stuff or are you do you just strictly do stuff you 100% know are is like true or have you tried to jump the gun and be like the first to something before it's definitely like I am definitely less I don't want to be wrong so I'm like on the I'm, I play safe I would say uh there are people who don't who just kind of like have people they trust and go with it we are really careful to like have two people unless like the person you know at least two people being like this is real Um, unless the person is giving you something about themselves and then it's like a little bit more trustworthy, but yeah, I mean, for me, that's not something I tweet if it's, you know, like Tom Brady's agent's best friend telling me, right. Like that has to come (laughs) from someone. And I don't know that that's who it was like, it might've been, but it's, but it's just, you know, it's, I don't know. It, it, it is hard for me to believe that Schefter was just wrong. 
know. Yeah. So I don't I know. Think it will they might happen. be playing games with him. They I might think be it will happen. I think what he was yeah. trying to do, and you know Brady, like he likes to do these videos. I think Schefter tweeted it way before like that video yes. from Brady was released. So Brady's like, now I guess I'm playing another year. Like I genuinely yes. I could see Tom Brady legitimately being like, I'm just gonna play another year, win a Super Bowl, and just slam dunk on Adam Schefter. Cause like like that's just the type of person he is. But in the industry though, like do you obviously see the kind of stuff that happens with like Bob Nightingale where he's just like the biggest mush of all time? Like he'll tweet something and the opposite will happen. Like, is that something that's kind of laughed upon? Because Bob Nightingale, you want to talk about guys that get body bagged. He gets body bagged pretty bad. Like just some of his no hitter tweets or anything along those lines. So, I mean, is that something that like you guys are taught to do is just kind of the more interaction, the better, or is it like, I would shy away from that. There's a personal preference. You know, so first of all, Bob Nightingale is like one of the nicest people in the business and has unbelievably predicted some of the biggest things in the last few years, right? Like way ahead of time. Uh, like, I think he said Bryce Harper was going to sign with the Phillies like three years ahead of time. So I will always like defer to his predictions rightly or wrongly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, we are, I, it definitely depends on who employs you who you are like what kind of reputation you have like ken rosenthal gets things wrong sometimes yeah and he owns them and he explains it and you know my goal is just to like not rush things to the point that i have any doubt that you know like if somebody were to come back to me i could be like here's who told me that right like that's what i kind of want to be able to do and and like i feel bad when people get ratioed on twitter because i it's horrible like it doesn't feel good generally yeah. and you can't really do anything about it but like yeah i mean it's, I am always trying to figure out where everybody heard what they heard. And like, would I go with that if I heard it from the same person? And a lot of times the answer is no, because I'm just extremely cautious. Um, and like Bob Nightingale and others will beat me to things uh, because they A, have way more people that they're talking to that they just have known over the years. And, and B, they have, they're kind of willing to, to go with it. Um, but I'm just super afraid. So I don't know if that's a, that's a good quality or not, but like that is a difference in approach. And yeah, I'd rather have less engagement than, than yeah. you know, get ratioed for sure. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Well, not old. Yeah, getting a ratio, just an absolute nightmare. But going back to, I mean, the, the discussions and all that kind of stuff, and you've been in the game of baseball for a pretty good amount of time. Would you say Rob Manfred's one of the most like hated human, like hated baseball, like commissioners ever? Because Bud Selig is like, he's kind of nationally loved. I mean, the guy's in the Hall of Fame. He kind of brought back the game of baseball, kind of turning a blind eye to steroids. We don't talk about that. But 
Bud Selig was kind of, in my mind, I loved the guy. Maybe because he had glasses like me and I looked up to him when I was a kid because a guy with glasses was running the show. But, it, like, Rob Manfred is like, this is like borderline. He might, if he had social media, be getting death threats. Like, he's hated. Like, would you say he's one of the most hated commissioners? Maybe in all, like, I guess Cadell actually, but he's like, he's, he's very hated. He has become a villain and in a way that is, it feels at times self-inflicted, right? Like there are ways in which I think he has put himself out there as the face of things that like he didn't need to, right? There's just things he said over the years. We're just like, why, you know? But yeah, I mean, he's, he's a huge part of fairly or not, like, I don't know him very well. I see him as much as anyone else does and hear him in those public settings. But, like, he is one of the main parts of Major League Baseball that the players don't trust. And I have often wondered if what we're seeing is the need to, like, rethink how Major League Baseball is run. Because Rob Manfred's not there because he knew anything about baseball. He was hired as, like, the top labor enforcement, you know, lawyer guru under Steelig. He was the guy that had to kind of, like, put down the hammer on all the steroids stuff you know he's kind of been the like enforcer over the years because he's a law guy he knows like labor he knows how to interact in these kind of you know high level things that sort of are are outside baseball but that means that there's no trust in him that he actually sort of cares about the game and and I think that it might you know I think I've heard people talk about this I've heard people suggest it that like maybe you need a commissioner of baseball and then someone who represents the owners and the owners love Rob Manfred. He draws a hard line. He, he, you know, has gotten them a great deal. So yeah. like they can have him, but I think you might need someone who's in charge of baseball, who isn't beholden the owners because it, it just like makes you seem like you can't trust them. And, and, you know, Manfred hasn't helped himself a lot in that. So it's, it's interesting, but I do wonder after these negotiations, particularly if things go badly and you miss games, if there's like a movement to say, let's put somebody in charge of major league baseball who isn't, in that job also who whose job is not to represent the owners who's not to fight the players whose job is just to like oversee baseball like is theo epstein perfect for that job that's maybe you know somebody who's concerned with the rules and the health of the game and isn't going to get into the labor stuff like i think that takes a lot of heat off off manfred and like allows you to sort of i don't know i think it could thaw things a little bit but who knows what do i know and let's get your stance on this here because obviously you're a writer reporter all those kind of things and the, the Hall of Fame vote last week, I want to ask you, do, did you, do you have a vote yet? Or is this like, how do you get that? How do you get a vote? So, like, explain to me, like, like, like I'm five again. How do you get a vote to Hall of Fame? Because <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Some of these people hate baseball, that vote, it seems like. It's, so you have to cover the game for 10 uh, years. Yeah. And recently they put in a rule that I cannot believe was not in place before, which is that if you haven't covered the game in 10 years, you lose your vote. So, like, there are people voting who haven't wow. covered it in years. Uh, and then, so I'm not at 10 years yet, so I don't have a vote, but also the Washington Post and New York Times, both of our like leadership don't let us vote just because I think they like think it's kind of like making the news instead of reporting it. And honestly, I'm like super grateful for that because it's, it's a thankless job and very difficult and I don't know who should do it, but it feels like too much power for me. So I, I don't have it, but the people who have it presumably have been covering the game for years, but that could be covering you know, one team for yeah. 10 years and, you know, never. Leaving. Well, it's the bias. It's the bias writers, right? I mean, you'll have guys that are Yan- like diehard Yankee writers that will not vote for Roger Clemens or I guess Roger Clemens played for the Yankees, but David Ortiz, Pedro Martinez, like there's Yankee writers that are like religious Yankee fit. Like they're pretty much Yankee fans. And I'm under the illusion 
that I feel like the people that should vote for Hall of Famers are players because guys that actually got to see and play against them be like, oh, man, that guy's a Hall of Famer and that guy's not, all that kind of stuff. Um, When you saw that Barry Bonds wasn't a Hall of Famer, Roger Clemens, putting away the steroid stuff, and I mentioned if you you are a massive part of the game of baseball, which Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens was, most Cy Young awards, most home runs, you have to be in the Hall of Fame. So what's your thought process on that? Let's maybe clear your name here. Let's put maybe in your bio would have voted for Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. Like you obviously, I'm assuming you think these guys are Hall of Famers, right? I do. I do. And you know what? Like I, it's interesting because my problem with it, with not including them is that you're drawing a line that isn't, you can't apply to everyone that's in the Hall of Fame. I mean, there's people in the Hall of Fame who have used steroids maybe we don't have like a piece of paper that says it yeah. but you, you know who they are and and not to mention the guys who use speed or like greenies or coke before like if you're doing the drug purge you're gonna have to pull out a lot more people than barry bonds and roger clemens and the fact remains to me that in an era when everyone was huge they were still far and away the best like no mary maybe barry bonds doesn't hit that many home runs but does roger clemens win fewer cy youngs i don't know i mean maybe he gets injured more but like their ability to play baseball, you know, I remember when I was little watching Barry Bonds, everyone would always say like, you still have to hit the ball. And that's true. And, you know, I don't know, for me, it's like, if, if you're a writer in a position where you feel you can draw a line of morality, you, it's just good luck moving forward because, you know, we're learning more about domestic violence and who's committed and who hasn't. And, you know, like the standards are just changing. And, I mean, you could go all the way back to Ty Cobb. Everyone always uses him. Like, do you take out all the crazy racists that played early? You know, like if yeah, you're going to hold it against you Chilling, draw, you, you know, can't, you can't draw a moral line now. Like if, if, yeah. if it's never been drawn before and you mentioned Ty Cobb and all those type of guys, and there was players and pitchers that openly said that are in the hall of fame, that they pitched on speed like that. If that's not a piece, yeah. I mean, yeah. the guys are just on Looney to like, they're on Mars pitching and just absolutely carving and having no idea but you can't allow Barry Bonds, who was nasty before. So it doesn't make any sense right. to me. And by the way, I might clip that, and then you might just be the most loved person on Twitter just off that, like just based off of that video clip quote that you just said. But Barry Bonds, to me, like, and someone suggested this, which is funny, he should sign a one-day contract and then just retire and then just re-up the five years because the guy's a Hall of Famer. I don't care how you look at it. I mean, he didn't do anything wrong. I mean, obviously, it was during the time when everyone was doing it, even playing field, it wasn't technically illegal at the time, right? There was no rule that said no steroids, correct? Am I right on that? Right, right. For part of it, yeah. I mean, like A-Rod's different because there was a rule and he got caught. But, you know, so you can draw those lines. That makes sense to me. But even then, it's like, I don't know, it's hard. It's very I, hard. I, I think it's just absolutely criminal that the best, the best, in my opinion, the best hitter ever, uh, you can argue Ken Griffey, all those type of guys, is not in the Hall of Fame. And the, and baseball's so weird to me also because you have these other leagues where there's like five or six Hall of Famers every year. They're going to have one this year. Like, what? There's going to be one guy saying a speech. Like, just just David Ortiz. is going to be the David Ortiz show. Why do they do that? Why do they do that? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's just, just so weird. It's so, it's super weird because there's like this built-in sense of morality that is part of the tradition of baseball. But baseball is also the only sport where you steal and like cheat and lead. Like everything about the sport is like get the next advantage. And every generation has its way of getting that advantage. They get caught. Everyone is in uproar and they move on. But like, are we going to keep Max Scherzer and Garrett Cole out of the Hall of Fame because they might have used sticky stuff? I mean, is that, that is performance enhancing and that feels absurd to me. You know, and 
like again you you have to dig in and say okay they were the same or they weren't after that band so maybe they were just as good but like you can't know what you know is that at a time when everyone was playing by the same rules able to get advantages the same way like they were the best of the best and like to go back through baseball and you know I understand why steroids are different a little bit but I think like ultimately it's there's just a lot of like purity tests that that come into play the more you learn about these guys and the more information we have and it's just really hard to uphold I don't know if you take out the character clause if you just like make it about numbers because then it gets easier but yeah it's it's interesting like how that morality is involved and people feel really strongly about it and it means people care so that's good like people care about baseball and care about the health of the game and how it's remembered but like pete rose is the, the all-time hits leader and all-time home run leader and now baseball has gambling. Not in the hall of fame like and now baseball, and now baseball is embracing is- gambling like yes did pete rose gamble in the game of baseball obviously very frowned upon but it's not like he was throwing games like if, if he was betting on other sides and he was like throw like throwing scrubs in the mound i'd understand but you can't have a moral higher on and just say like gambling and baseball. You can't do that. And then you're brought to you by MGM. Like it doesn't make the slightest bit sense to me. I, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. And I, I'm a big gambler. Obviously I, I, I think gambling is very good for the game of baseball. You see it with football. I mean, that chiefs bills game last week, 42 million viewers. Like, are you shitting me with that? Like that is so many viewers for a football game, you know, but I don't understand why people are so against gambling and baseball. I mean, is that something that you kind of think the game of baseball needs to grow? Because some people might not even like baseball, but they're watching because they have like 50 bucks on the, on like the Jays or something or like strikeout total or anything along those lines. I think it's massive for the game of baseball. I don't know why people argue against it. To me, it's, it's really similar to like, it's the same conversation, right? Like there's this like line of morality or whatever you want to call it that is like drawn. And we say baseball's above this somehow. And it never has been like it literally never has been i mean black people were not allowed to play in the major leagues until yes. the 40s like that you know and we're wrestling over like drugs that everyone used and and when it comes to gambling like first of all i understand that people have problems with gambling people have problems with alcohol and we sell alcohol at the stadium so i see that you know the commercials all have those like advisories i'm just not sure why you would draw the line between one or the other unless you're worried that the players are betting which right now they don't seem to be. There's no evidence that they're going to bet on baseball, especially when like the latter half of their season, they're worried about fantasy football. If that becomes a problem, then you can rethink it. But right now, like for the health of the sport, if you want to grow the audience, which they say they do, go for it. Like the money's there, you know, it, it brings in a lot of viewers, like you said. I mean, it's, it's like anything else to me, you know, like we always profit off people's vices for better or worse. That's yeah. capitalism. And I think, you know, if, if it becomes a problem, you can think about it, but right now it's not a problem. And, you know, if, I don't know, I guess we'll just kind of have to ride it out. But again, it's like, you draw this line between one thing and the other when, I don't know, you know, where does that come from? It's just really hard to, to know. For sure. I mean, and like, I got into a Twitter argument with this account that blocked me, the biggest cowards, <laughs> spineless losers of all time, the bat flips and nerds podcast. I, I guess I'll say it. I, I don't care. Like they're absolute clowns. They said, that they pretty much said that legalizing gambling in baseball immediately people are going to like players are going to gamble on it like just throw games and i'm like that doesn't even make sense like athletes majority athletes have brains like why would they like why would they ruin a legacy and throw a game 
for no reason. It doesn't make any sense to me. And you see it in other sports. Every other sport is embracing gambling. Hockey, you have these ads all over the rink now. Betway, Bet365, all that stuff. So I think the, 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 the people that try to argue against it hate the game of baseball because honestly there's nothing better and I, I do it when i go to jay's games i'll bet on games when i'm live there because you get to sweat it out live with with your friends it just adds to the element of the excitement of the game it's like having a beer at the game to me i don't know i i could be wrong on that but i think gambling in baseball is a massive thing if you want to grow the game and i think am i right on this they're talking about like doing like gambling kiosks at actual ballparks now is that right yeah i think actually Nats park uh in dc like we're is revealing its sports book this week is going to like have one in the, in the park. And like, to the point about players gambling, I, I understand worrying about that temptation, but one of the things that is sort of lost is they, they bet on everything. I mean, there are guys like putting thousands of dollars on a hand of cards in the clubhouse, you know? So I get that it's different to gamble on your own sport and, and bring in that possibility. And, and again, if that becomes a problem, you deal with it. I'm sure they're going to be looking out for it. I'm sure you don't enter into this without yeah. thinking about that. And as but- if, and, and as, as if the the bookkeepers wouldn't look at trends and be like, why is there like $60,000 on this guy to get over one and a half hits? Like, why is, why do they, people yeah. continue to bet on that? It just, the, the, the bookkeepers and people in Vegas aren't idiots. Like they see trends, they study trends. That's the main thing they look at for people to be so naive and think that players could just easily bet on their shit, like a significant amount where it's life-changing for them. Cause they're already making a lot of money. It's just not, it's just dumb to me. I don't I could, I don't know. I could be wrong on it, but I just don't think it would make sense. Like it makes sense to even have that logic. And I think gambling and all that kind of stuff makes sense for the game of baseball. But uh, the last thing I want to bring up here is obviously the Jays got, Kevin Gossman over Robbie Ray. Can we put on the record that Gossman's better than Robbie Ray? Because that's the narrative. Like, every time I see Robbie Ray, I'm like, yikes. Like, Gossman's our guy now. You know what I'm saying? How surprised are you that Robbie Ray went to the Mariners? What are we doing here? And and, and by the way, Marcus Simeon, what are you doing? The Texas poverty rate, they stink. You, you could have been hitting before Vladdy. You could have been hitting in the best lineup in baseball. And now you're just, it's just you and Corey Seager. Like, there's no one else there. So... I mean, what was your thought process on, on the free agency? And obviously it's not even done yet. I guess, like you said, I mean, there's so many big names still out there, but this free agency has been bananas so far. For sure. I mean, Robbie Ray going to Seattle tells me Robbie Ray thinks the Mariners are going to be good. Like, I think that like, we've all seen them knocking on the door. So him choosing that over Toronto, maybe it's money, but it also seems like you really must believe what they're doing, uh, which is interesting. I mean, maybe he's right, but uh, yeah, I mean, Marcus Simeon thinks funny because like him I just picture Bo Bichette crying you know like it's like his best friend and big brother he's just got all on his own now where does he go he's gonna be like a lost puppy um but yeah that actually surprised me a little bit but I think like for him I mean the Rangers are they're I've been kind of fascinated by them for a while they're building in a pretty interesting way and yeah the money is there but like they're hiring some pretty smart coaches and so I'm interested to see where they go like Simeon might be onto something that there's going to be like young players there he can mentor tour and, and watch them turn into a championship team over his career but but yeah i mean he had it pretty good in toronto too he could have done the same thing there yeah sure. well you get pitched i mean when you're hitting before bobachette vladdy you're gonna get pitches like you're not guys aren't gonna pitch around you in texas in my opinion he it's easy to pitch around him because the next guy in the lineup is not a vladdy-esque guy or a bobachette-esque guy i don't know i i just think and 
it's a revenge tour. I might make some short, some sort of shirts that chirp Simeon whenever he comes to Toronto. And Sam Huff actually is a big time prospect. I don't know if you've heard of Sam Huff, but yeah, he's a, he's a friend of the show. The guy hits balls 510 feet. It's I've never seen. Have you seen the video like him in Double no. A AA and Triple A? Like there's videos. No, of this I'm gonna guy, look. He. I'm talking 115 exit velo, like 520. Like this guy, I'll send you the video of this 500 foot home run he hit. It, it looks like the ball just like touches the moon. It's bananas. So I guess there's a couple of prospects maybe. I don't know. But uh, yeah, so what? based off of the, the next couple guys that are in free agency right now, whenever it opens up, what would you say like you're the most confident in like a free agent signing or a team that's going to like, that's not done yet? Because the Yankees haven't picked up anyone. The Yankees are just going to stick with their team. I, I don't know. I am convinced. The only thing I'm confident in is that Carlos Correa is going to win over a fan base that hated him. And I think that could be LA. That could be New York. That could be, I mean, maybe he, maybe he goes back to Houston and it's a moot point, but like there are a lot of Yankees and Dodgers fans out there who say they never want Carlos Correa. And like, as soon as you have that guy on your team, you're a Carlos Correa fan because there's just no way you can't be. So I'm, that's the only thing I'm sure of. There's going to be a lot of deleted tweets, and I might do this. What I might do is yeah. I, I might s- just search Carlos Correa sucks or, like, or, yeah, or just shit like that and just screenshot it and just see if these people, Yankee fans switch up. If they're like, oh, my God, we got Carlos Correa, because he's a generational talent. I mean, the guy's a freak. I mean, we, 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 there's no beating around the bush here. I mean, the guy, any, any team would die for this guy to be on their team. So, I mean, we'll see. But uh, I'm excited for the season to start, man. And obviously, Kevin Gossman is better than Robbie Ray. I'm going to put down the records. He's going to have a better year than Robbie Ray. And I had a guy on this podcast. I, obviously, it was off the record. He was facing Robbie Ray in Toronto, and he looked at me. He's like, no, he's using sticky stuff still. Like, I, I could be wrong on this. But he said, I don't know how he's getting away with it, but the spin rate on his pitches and the, and what he's throwing, he has to be using, like, some some sort of foreign substance because this guy's stuff is disgusting. But we'll see. Anyway, Chelsea, I mean, keep grinding away. I mean, you're the people's reporter. Maybe put that in your bio. The people's Thank reporter, you. the Thank common you. man's reporter. Just incredible to see the stuff you're doing. And obviously the trajectory of this podcast is growing just like your trajectory. You might turn into like some sort of Adam <laughs> yeah. Schefter where we're like, we're starting, we're, I might start ratioing you on Twitter. I might just start ratioing every tweet you have. The dream. The dream. <laughs> yes. So anyway, Chelsea, best of luck. Uh, best of luck. Hopefully next time I talk to you, the baseball season's back, but uh, we'll see what happens. For sure. Cool. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Officially Unofficial. Make sure you guys subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Pod and on Instagram at Officially Unofficial Pod. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>